Well, good morning, church family. Yes, it's good to see you guys here. If you're a guest, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I want to welcome all of our friends and family online. Thank you so much for checking us out here today. And maybe you're watching this months down the road. Uh, still, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, man, it is absolutely an honor and a privilege to be able to kick off our brand new teaching series called Christmas Through Their Eyes. And, and really, we're going like, to have a nerd fest Turn to your neighbor and call him a nerd. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. No, just kidding. Uh, no, like we're, I think we're going to do some Bible nerding. You know, Pastor Ryan, he alluded to this last week of we're, we're going to get into the context of Scripture because Scripture was written thousands of years ago in an Eastern culture, right? Like we can talk about the big game that was played on Thanksgiving Day and we can all talk about that and you can know what I'm talking about. But if we were to take this conversation to the Middle East, they're going to be like, well, what's Thanksgiving Day and why doesn't God find favor on the lions? Like, <laughs> I'm still waiting for God to answer that one. I'm I was hoping the Bears were just going to give us a mercy there at the end with the field goal, but no. But so we have to understand things in, in context. Like we understand the context of a football game that's played on Thanksgiving Day because we live close to Detroit where they do play a football game every Thanksgiving Day. Like that's context that we just understand, whether you're a football fan or not. And, and so the Bible, it was written thousands of years ago in a completely different culture. And so our hope and our goal through this entire teaching series is we're going to try to get out of our context and get into their context. We're, we're going to try to get into their shoes and, and put their glasses on and see things through their lens. Now, I want to uh, uh, jump right into the Christmas narrative found in Luke chapter 2, and I think you'll figure out uh, whose eyes we're going to be looking through really quick. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out into the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to look at shepherds. But I just want to pause for a second. They, they were watching at night, and I think that will begin to make a little bit more sense uh, as we get through the teaching today. But there's this other observation, it always gets me every single time, is look at the shepherd's response when an angel shows up. Like, I, would, you know, I don't know about you, but when you think of angels, do you think of like those cute little babies that spit water out like on a fountain? Like, I mean, they're so cute and everything. The shepherds were terrified. Like, I don't know about you, but angels might be scary looking or something. I don't know. Let's continue. Get back into Luke. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid because we're super scary. <laughs> That's not what he said. What they did say was, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For all the people. Today, in the city of David, we're going to come back to that. Just put a mental note there. Today, in the city of David, the Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. He, you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel. What were they doing? 
praising. The angels were getting their worship on because of Jesus being born. And, and God saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. And after seeing them, they reported, the shepherds reported what had just happened, the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were what? They were amazed at what the shepherds were sharing. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And the shepherds returned glorifying and what? Praising. The angels were getting their worship on and the shepherds were getting their worship on because of Jesus coming onto the scene. God, for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Welcome to part one of Christmas through their eyes. And I'm super excited to bring this. And I'm going to bring you a ridiculous amount of content. If you're a note taker, you're probably not going to be able to keep up unless you can do like a shorthand. You might be quicker to just take pictures of the screen. But I just want us to look at this idea of, of shepherds and sheep and, and help us to get into their eyes this scene that just took place. Because this theme of sheep and shepherds like it's all throughout the scriptures. In fact, you see this idea in 16 of the Old Testament books. It's mentioned 140 times. You find it in nine of the New Testament books and it's mentioned 40 times. And so you see this theme of sheep and shepherd or staff or something related with shepherding all throughout the scripture, all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation, you see this theme. And so because it's, it's everywhere within the scripture, I wonder if we need a sheepology. Like I wonder if we can see the overlap between God being a shepherd and us being a sheep and how that overflows into, into our everyday lives. Now, I wish I could park on this and unpack this thought more. I think you'll see some examples of sheepology play out later, later in the teaching but I just want to at least whet your appetite of this idea of sheepology, because I wonder if we need to have a sheepology. All right, let's get right into the content. Shepherds, um, they had to navigate all kinds of things in harsh environments as one. Like, we, we live in Michigan, we have four different seasons, it's different in Israel. In fact, here's a picture of where there's some sheep, it might be hard to see depending on where you're sitting, but there's sheep that are in these caves, they're in the shadows with their shepherds. They're literally just trying to cool off in the heat of the day. There's these extreme temperatures, all the way from freezing to crazy temperatures. And so there's just these harsh environments, there, there's rainy parts and there's dry parts, and shepherds had to navigate navigate all these harsh environments. There's unforgiving mountains and hills. Like we live in a fairly flat area here in southwest Michigan, but it's not like that in Israel. Like, like look at this picture here. Like you can see just all the rocks on this hill, but you can see the mountains in the background. Now here's a shepherd who's leading his flock right here on the hillside. And you can see these ginormous rocks and everything that the shepherd is leading through. And so the shepherd has to be able to, to navigate these hills and these mountains. I mean, this is crazy. Now, you probably can't see it from where you're sitting, but there's actually people all the way down here at the bottom of the, the photo here. Like, just to show you the magnitude of this. 
Here's another picture. Like the, the shepherd has to lead the flock through all these different areas. And it's hard for us because we kind of look through it maybe through our eyes of where we currently live. But shepherds, they had to go through uh, unforgiving mountains and hills. But there's also treacherous water realities. Now, we don't understand that here in southwest Michigan. Like, you can drive five minutes anywhere from this location right now. You can drive by a field, and more than likely, there's an irrigation pivot in it. Like, even when it's dry here where we live, like, they can still run a pivot in the field and water. That's not the case in Israel. There's parts that are very deserty. Now, the, the shepherd was able to, to find some still water here for his sheep. And here's another photo. Like, but you notice that like, there's not green everywhere. Now, there's parts of Israel that are, but not all of Israel is. So sheep eat grass. Like, it's, it's not just like it's, it's everywhere here where you got to mow your grass once or twice a week, right? Like, we, we see that. I think of sheep and shepherds. I think of like Ireland, you know, the, the rolling hills of green sort of thing. But that's not the case in the biblical text. They're not thinking of Ireland there. They're thinking of Israel. And so these water realities is uh, sometimes you would have water and sometimes you don't. Now here's a dry wadi. Can everybody say wadi? Wadi. Wadi is where water will either be or it won't be. <laughs> right here is an indication of where it, it is not, right? But this is a wadi. Now, here's a wadi that has water. Now, this rain could have happened uh, miles away, and all of a sudden, there's a flash flood. But there may not have been any water here just a few moments ago. And notice how choppy it is. Sheep, they, they don't like water that's disturbed. They like it still for a multitude of reasons. For one, they're just sheepish. I'm here all morning. Yeah. That was really bad. <clears throat> they, they, get, they get scared easily, and, and the rough water can scare them. Another thing is the thickest part of their wool is right underneath of their neck, and if that was to get wet, it could actually weigh their head down, and they could all actually fall into the water and possibly drown. And so quite often, you don't know, it, like let's say the sheep haven't had any water in weeks, and now all of a sudden this comes. Well, how, how do you water the sheep? Well, the shepherd would have to build a dam somewhere in the water to make it slow down in order for the sheep to be able to drink some water. Uh, other things that shepherds had to navigate is persistent predators. Uh, there's just natural predators of sheep. You, you, you'll see it throughout the scriptures, and I want to share just one example. And uh, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard of King David, or maybe you've heard of David and Goliath. And, and David, he was a shepherd. And before he took down the giant, there's this interaction between him and King Saul found in 1 Samuel 17. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. He's a shepherd. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and strike it down and kill it. Like, I don't know about you, but I, like, I'm not as hardcore as what David is, right? Like, I mean, I mean, he can take down a nine-foot giant and he can wrestle down, wrestle down lions and bears. Oh, my. 
I'm on a roll. Thanks, Frank. I think that's the last dad joke I have. We'll see. But I just wanted to show you an example. Like there's lions and bears and there's going to be another scripture. You're going to see that there's just natural predators that a shepherd would have to protect the herd from. There's also poisonous plants. There's some plants that are just not good for sheep. Uh, They can cause them to be nauseous or gassy or even potentially kill them. But there's also some grasses in Israel that look like it has nutrition, but there's absolutely no nutrition to them whatsoever. I think it's kind of like iceberg lettuce. Like, I don't know what the point. Like, you go get a salad and they put iceberg lettuce in it. Like, it's just water, right? I'm a spring mix kind of guy. I like the different greens. But a shepherd would have to be aware of where the sheep are at and what they're eating. And so there's poisonous plants that the shepherds would have to be aware of. But there's also these persistent parasites. Like, I mean, there's like poisonous spiders and other insects that are poisonous, but shepherds would have to worry about lice. I mean, the sheep are rubbing up against one another and the lice can go from one sheep to another sheep, but they also had to worry about flies. You know, you would hear about shepherds who would anoint the, the heads of the sheep, like their heads with oil. Now, Pastor Ryan, he alluded to this about First Wednesdays, that we do an anointing of oil for healing. But another symbolism is protection. You know, they would anoint kings with oil, and one of those symbolism is protection. Now, with the sheep, the reason why they would do this with the flies is they would pour oil on their noses and their ears and their eyes is because the flies would land in there, and they would put their larvae in there. And then they would hatch and go further up the nose and it actually caused the sheep to go crazy and they would bang their head into things trying to get the bugs out. And so the shepherd would put the oil over their noses and their eyes and their ears to keep the flies from getting into the orifices of them. I just think that's super cool. I forgot to put that on this picture. You were supposed to look at that that whole time while I was talking. Just imagine some oil getting dumped right here. But just those are like little details that we don't realize about what a shepherd does. But shepherds, I mean, they had to be physically strong. To to be able to just walk the amount of uh, distance that they would go, to, to be able to climb these hills and these mountains and these rocks, or if a sheep would get stuck between a couple of rocks, they had to physically pull them out. And so just physically, a shepherd had to be physically strong. They had to be mentally strong. You just, you always have to be aware of what's going on. But for me, I'm a people person. I can't be by myself for very long. But a lot of times a shepherd would be by themselves just out into the wilderness with the sheep. And so you'd have to be mentally strong. You you have to be constantly aware. Like there are the predators, there's the plants, the insects. There's all these things that are happening. And so a shepherd would constantly have to be on alert. You, you can't just take a 10-minute break here and there. Like you constantly have to be aware. And there has to, a shepherd has to be empathetic. There has to be a, a level of empathy for the flock. A shepherd, they didn't want a single sheep to die. And so there, in order for that to happen, like if a shepherd is willing to lay down their life for their herd, you, you have to have a level of empathy for the herd. 
And you had to be strategic about what, you had to be aware of what season are we in, uh, you know, what, what's happening on with the, the clouds, which way are the shadows coming down a hill because a predator could be lurking in those shadows. We had to be aware of where the food is and, and we can't just stay where this food is for too long because we don't want to kill all of that vegetation. And so shepherds had to be very strategic. But they also had to be resourceful as well. It's not like they could just drive their pickup truck with their toolbox on it and just bring all of these tools with them. They had to hand carry everything that they needed and they needed to be very resourceful with, with what they had. And so maybe it's like, well, how am I going to collect water? We have rain right now. We haven't had rain in a while. What can I do to collect some rain? Uh, shepherds also had to be patient. Oh, man, did shepherds have to be patient. Sheep would just go off and just do some of the dumbest things. Like, maybe this is some sheepology. I mean, people don't ever go do that, right? Like, we don't. We don't go do something dumb uh, or anything, or maybe we did something dumb and it's like, I'm never gonna do that again. Well, I just wanna play this quick 30-second video and, and, uh, of how shepherds need to be patient. There's no sound here, but you can see this, the sheep is stuck. Maybe you've seen this on social media. And maybe that's been your life. You've been stuck like crazy. Jesus comes into your life. You get free, and then you just go right back into it. I mean, that hasn't been my life. Let's check this out in slow motion here. <laughs> Boom. Right back into it. But, I mean, we don't do that as humans, right? We were in that awful relationship. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to go back to that bottle again. I mean, I could sit here and list all kinds of things, but are we that different than a sheep sometimes? So there, there's a taste of some sheepology there for you. So I want to talk about three skills that shepherds had to have. And the first is just being aware of the weather. Uh, a storm could pop up out of nowhere or it comes up over a mountain. You didn't even know it was going to happen and you had to find protection for the sheep. Or maybe a windstorm is going to kick up and the sand and the debris is going to kick up. And so they had to have skills. They had to be weathermen, so to speak, and be able to have the skills to read the weather. But they also had to have skills to navigate all of these rocks. You know, the sheep would get stuck in between the rocks or they had to navigate the rocks themselves. That may be easy to trip on a rock or fall off of it. You break your leg and you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Where are you going to get help? And then a, another skill here is to not overdrive the flock. Now, uh, there's a really cool book out there um, called Lead Like a Shepherd from uh, Pastor Larry Osborne. He has this whole section talking about a shepherd and a cowboy and comparing the difference between a cowboy and a shepherd. Like cowboys, they drive the flock from behind. They're, they're poking and prodding the flock, uh, the herd, and trying to get them where they need to be so that way they can get paid. But a shepherd's not like that. A shepherd leads 
the flock. The shepherd is concerned about the flock. He doesn't want to lose one. You know, the shepherd will go leave the 99 to go for the one, right? And so a shepherd cares for the flock where a cowboy just constantly wants to push it. So a shepherd would need to be aware to not overdrive them because maybe there's a lamb that's getting ready to have a baby and you don't want to overwork her where she'll die or she already had the baby and the baby can't handle being pushed. And so shepherds, they just had to have these skills and to know their flock and to be aware of it. The prophet Jeremiah, he penned these words. I think they're beautiful. I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. This idea of sheep and shepherd all throughout the scripture, it's everywhere. And I think you can see this maybe even in leadership, right? Some people have the spiritual gift of being a shepherd, but they have to have knowledge and skill. And I think as we begin to have that sheepology or begin to to view life maybe a little bit differently, if God is the shepherd, we have to understand that he has all knowledge and I think he's got some skill if he can create some human, human beings, amen? Here's a cool picture of Bethlehem. This is taken in 1966. And it looks a little bit different today than what it did when this photo was taken. But I just wanted to show you this landscape. In fact, you might be able to see this church steeple right here. That is believed to where Jesus uh, was actually born. There's a church there right now. But shepherds, they would travel all this land with their herds. And people would look down on them. But like the, the Pharisees, the, the religious elite would look down on them because they're so busy taking care of the flock, they couldn't keep up with all of the regulations from the law. They couldn't keep clean like everybody else was supposed to do. They couldn't celebrate all the ceremonies or the festivals that everybody else was doing. So the religious elite, they would look down at shepherds. And maybe other people would just because they're probably stinky and smelly from being out in the wilderness with the sheep all the time. But some people, like if I was going to take my flock and I'm going to go over here to this hill over here, I may not own that property. And that property owner might be mad at me because I'm stealing their vegetation, their grass from their land. And so we have to understand like shepherds were actually looked down on in their culture. I mean, you can see this theme throughout scripture, but people would look down on people who were shepherds. Here's some characteristics. I mean, it was just demanding. It, it just, it's a 24-7 job. You, you'd be lonely. You were the least appreciated, and you're the least rewarded. And I just want you to catch that, like that shepherds, they were social outcasts. People looked down on them just because of the lifestyle that they lived. Now here's just a quick snapshot of what a typical day would look like for a shepherd. They're leading sheep to good grass. They're looking for that good grass, but you can't stay in one place for too long. They're keeping bullies away from the young. So a a young, I don't know what you call a baby sheep. I think it's an ewe. Does anybody know? A lamb. lamb. Oh, yeah, Thanks. Maybe you guys should come up here and teach. Yeah, I don't, I, for whatever, I just had a brain fart there. But a lamb would be trying to eat and an older sheep would bully it to try to get its food. 
And then uh, they, the shepherd always had to have the right conditions for, to have them sleep, to make them feel safe and secure, making sure that they're eating and drinking water and free from being stuck. I mean, we watched a silly video about them being stuck. But, I mean, is this not like our lives? I mean, have you ever felt stuck in your walk? Maybe in your spiritual walk of just eating, right? Like, maybe the conditions haven't been right for you to eat spiritually. Maybe you've had some of those religious elite bully you because they're trying to push you along. You're not where you're supposed to be sort of thing in your walk. And maybe we're just trying to figure out where the good grass is, right? And I think there's all these parallels with our lives and how that overlaps with sheep and shepherds. Now I want to go back to that Christmas narrative in Luke chapter 2. Today in the city of David, this is Bethlehem. Now here's a map of, it may be hard for you to see, but basically at the top of this orange line is Nazareth, and at the bottom is Bethlehem. This is the journey that Joseph and Mary had to take. It's roughly around 70 miles, depending on how the bird flies. But here's a zoomed-in picture. This is Jerusalem, and this is Bethlehem. It's only about five miles away. Now, it's very plausible that these shepherds that we just read about are shepherds who are raising lambs and sheep to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. And what I think is pretty cool in God's economy, that when he comes to proclaim joy and good news, he didn't go to the religious elite He went to these shepherds. The religious elite should have known. They know the scriptures. They know their Bible, the Torah. They they, they know that. They know the prophets. And yet in God's economy, he doesn't go to the religious elite. He goes to the humble servants. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. That out of all the people in society and culture, he's going to go to the stinky, smelly shepherds out on the field, who are serving, who are, who are raising these lambs to be sacrificed, this, this atonement, this, this innocent blood shed for you and for me in the holy temple. And, and I think Jesus, he was fully aware of what was happening. And in fact, you see this amazing teaching that Jesus does in John chapter 10 where he, he's trying to show in God's economy and he's having this conversation with the religious elite. He's having this conversation with the, the Pharisees. In John chapter 10, starting at verse one, Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. And you might be thinking, what is a sheep pen? I just so happen to have a picture right here. This is a sheep pen. Here's another photo of it. So you can see, what, like the, the shepherd would bring the sheep into this area, but you can see this gate right here. This is where the shepherd would sit with his staff. This is where he would count the sheep as they're coming in. This is where he would protect them from any uh, uh, enemies, you know, the, the lions and the bears and wolves or any other predators that are out there, and he would protect them here. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, uh, you can't climb over the wall. And he's going to explain why here. 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, if Jesus is the shepherd, he knows your name. He knew it before you were even thought of. He knew it when your DNA was being knitted together. He knows your name. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The shepherd is constantly leading. Hear that. The shepherd is constantly leading. You can see this shepherd is in front of the flock. It's not all the flock in front of him. The shepherd is the one who's in front. The sheep follow. The shepherd leads. The shepherd follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of the stranger. And Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And this is the religious elite who studied the scriptures all the time and they didn't understand Jesus. I mean, I actually find that encouraging because there's a lot of times I get into the scriptures, I don't understand what's going on. Or I might hear a message and I just like, it's not clicking, it doesn't make sense. You're in good company. Even the religious elite didn't understand Jesus from time to time. Jesus said, I truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come so that they may have a life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And I'm so thankful for that. Jesus is declaring a very strong statement here. He says he's the only way into heaven. He, you can only get in to that pen through Jesus and through a relationship with him. He is the good shepherd. And he understood this. He knew the Older Testament. He knew their Bible. And the religious elite, they knew the scriptures as well. And what's really cool is in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. And he gently leads those that are nursing. Jesus understood this metaphor of sheep and shepherds and he's trying to use this language to teach them. Jesus continued, the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Kind of sounds like a cowboy. The shepherd cares about the sheep. 
Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Look how many knows Jesus puts in there. Jesus knows the Father. He knows you. And he wants us to know him. It's all in community. It's all in relationship. It's all in intimacy with the good shepherd. And I want us to wrestle with this question. And maybe this is a question that we wrestle with each and every day before our feet even hit the floor. And is what can I do today to hear the good shepherd's voice? Not to hear uh, any preacher or pastor or author of a book, but to hear the good shepherd's voice. What can we do each and every day to hear the good shepherd's voice? Maybe another way to ask it is, did I hear the good shepherd's voice today? Am I cultivating a life or the conditions to be able to hear this good shepherd because the shepherd leads and the sheep follow? And if we're gonna call ourselves sheep, we need to follow this good shepherd's voice. Jesus was around before you and I. He, he was around before the earth was created. He was already in heaven. And he was up in heaven and he came down to earth, and he died, and three days later, he came back again. And then he was playing peekaboo for 40 days. It was really awesome. And then he went back to heaven. And if he's the good shepherd, we have to understand that there is heaven. There is another life after this one. Check this out in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. If Jesus is that shepherd, he came up from the dead. That means there's another life after this one. But Jesus is coming back. He's coming back at any moment. Peter one of Jesus' closest disciples penned these words. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is going to appear again. And we're gonna be held accountable for the time that we spent here on earth. And Jesus is gonna ask you, like, how did you live into your purpose? I created you on purpose for a purpose. Did you live into that purpose? And that purpose is to know him and to point others to him, to know the good shepherd and to point others to hear this good shepherd. Do we live such a life to know the shepherd's voice? And when we know the shepherd's voice, we can't help but to tell other people about the shepherd's voice. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I was going through gobs of content. You would be super impressed with what I didn't share with you today. Like I have a three ring binder of notes all about sheep and shepherds. It's really hard to not just go crazy nerd out. 
But I came across this one story through one of my resources as I was preparing. It's like, oh man, that's really good, but we just don't have time for it. I'm bringing too much other content. And then I was in another resource and I came across this story. And I just felt like, all right, God, maybe that's you saying I need to read this story with all the church family today. The story is told of an outstanding actor who was asked to entertain one evening at an immense dinner party. And as the great actor arose to speak, the room was filled with excitement and eager. Guests anticipated his message. That's kind of like you guys today, right? You didn't have to laugh that hard at it. (laughs) The star of the day said that he was going to recite the 23rd Psalm. This he did in a dramatic and eloquent manner. And as soon as he had finished, the chamber roared with applause as the audience arose in a standing ovation. The next speaker of the evening was an elderly, white-haired man who was bowed and feeble, worn by many long years of steadfast, patient labor as a missionary. As a hush fell over the audience as he arose, After a moment's silence, he said humbly, I too would like to recite the shepherd's psalm. Then, lifting his face slightly towards heaven, he closed his eyes and began, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. When the servant of the Lord finished, a pin could have been heard if one had been dropped on the floor. This time there was no applause, there was no standing ovation. Not a sound was heard. Yet, throughout the room, There was not a dry eye. Tears were flowing freely. Shortly afterward, a man approached the outstanding actor and said, I don't understand. You both said the same thing. Your presentation was perfect in every way, yet when he spoke in his halting, imperfect manner, people were moved too deeply for words. What made the difference? The actor hesitated And then replied, the answer is simple. I knew the 23rd Psalm and I knew it well, but he knows the shepherd. May we be a church that knows the good shepherd. That we walk each and every day following our good shepherd because we know his good voice in our lives. 
Would you stand with me? Prayer team, you can make your way down. I don't know, maybe something in all of that information made sense to you today. And maybe you're realizing you're not a sheep. You're not following the good shepherd. You can change that today by surrendering your life over to Jesus. And the prayer team at each side of the stage would love to have that conversation with you. But maybe you're a, maybe you're a sheep who wandered away. Maybe you're like that sheep that was in that video. And you, Jesus pulled you out and you were doing really good there for a while and man, you just got right back into that ditch. Go see the prayer team. Allow them to lift you up in prayer right now. Allow them to serve you. But I hope today that we would understand in God's economy, he's gonna go to the social outcast. He proclaimed that good news and that Jesus is the good shepherd. And Lord willing, we're gonna be sheep who follows the good shepherd. So Father God, thank you for your holy word. May we be a church of movement of people, an ecclesia who hears the good shepherd's voice and that we would follow you and to go where your will is and not our will. So Father, we surrender that over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you remember at the beginning of that Christmas story, what did the angels and the shepherds do after they heard that good news? They praised. So let's end our time here today by praising our good shepherd.